First on film and entertainment, Oscar nomination week, and we've got the full crowd together. We've got Jackie Hamilton, Greg King, Peter Krause, and Dave Griffiths. Folks, delighted that you could all be with us. It is an auspicious week. It's sort of the the week that we've been waiting for, and, uh, I mean, there's all these awards, but, I mean, as Peter and I have often said, there's only one Academy Awards, is there not, Peter? No. Oh, <laughs> well, okay, there there's we one go. Oscars. <laughs> there is only one. The rest are imposters, are they not, Peter? Not at all. Each country has its own Academy Awards, so yes. they're all just as good. <laughs> I don't think so. What do you reckon, Dave? They're not all just as good, are they? Oh, look, I actually find some of the other countries' Academy Awards more interesting than the Oscars because a lot of the times the the Oscars just goes to the film that knows how to market itself the best, whereas the other countries take it more seriously and give it to more deserving films. Oh, come on. Now, am I going to get anybody agreeing that, like, it, that there's four tennis tournaments that are better than any other? Is there anything better than the Oscars, Greg King? Uh, well, the Baptists have a lot of credibility as well, Alex. Oh, no, look, and, and none of you Caesars in France and the Donatelli Awards in Italy uh-huh. are very prestigious as well for those countries. Uh, look, I think it would be fantastic to win any award, but don't you want to win an Oscar, Jackie? Maybe not you, but an actor? Yes, actor. I, 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 I'd accept it with gratitude. Thank you very much if you're offering one, Alex. Well, of course, being televised, it has the worldwide, you know, the eyes on it. So it has the red carpets and that all goes along with it, I guess. So that's what brings it um, brings it to the people. Well, this year, of course, there is a movie that I didn't particularly like that I don't think Dave particularly enjoyed either that leads the nominations with 11. And I reckon the title says it all. Everything, everywhere, all at once, together, forever, God knows what else it's called. Uh, It's an overrated film, isn't it, Dave? It made my worst list of, of last year. I absolutely hated it. It was one of the only movies last year where if I hadn't have been reviewing it, I probably would have walked out. There you go. Now, okay, so I, I know, Jackie, you're on the other side. You think it's a you know piece of cheese, whatever you want to call it. Uh, w- what about you, Peter? Did you like it? Very much so. It's a very clever piece of filmmaking oh, I, I, I had on my top ten too. list. I'm dismissing you too, Greg. <laughs> um, I'm in the middle of it. Uh, uh, it had some elements, but I thought it was too long um, and some of it went on too far and I'm still scratching my head over, over some of it as well. Um, it's not the best film around. But it's um, certainly an interesting one to have been nominated for an Oscar. Um, but it, it has a lot of people, it's got a lot of momentum at the moment, having just won the Critics Awards. Yeah, look, 11 nominations. And it's it's fascinating. There's five of us. Two really, really liked it. Two really, really didn't like it all that much. And one was in the middle. So um, I'm not sure what that says. But nevertheless, we've got the 95th. It the says category. that Peter and Jackie are right. Oh, is that what it says? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, while you're on that, though, a lot, a lot of other films have won large amounts of nominations. Like oh, Kennedy I was about to mention And won nothing. I mean, Colour Purple was nominated for 11 Oscars, won nothing. Um, the Turning Point was nominated for 10 Oscars and won nothing as well. So 11 nominations doesn't necessarily mean anything. Very good. Well, look, I, I suspect, though, it will win a number of awards, just how Probably many. Anything. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of one of these things that, again, you start betting on the Oscars for those people who are into that, but you've got to very bet very carefully because at this stage, 
it's it's not an open field, but The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which I thought was a terrific film, that is number two with regards to nominations, along with All Quiet on the Western Front, which we talked about last week, Peter, nine nominations for each of them. I, I mean, we'll go through the, I suppose we, we can go through some of the categories, and I know this is early days, but I'm going to get you to give me your views in terms of what will win and what should win. So best picture, I'm just uh, wondering, there's up to 10 of those, of course. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there are 10 this year. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fableman's Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, a very strong collection of movies. Uh, what do you think should win? Dave, you start off. Um, what should win is Banshees. What yes. will win, I think, will be everywhere, everything, all at once. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm certainly hoping Banshees win. Peter? Uh, I think everything, everywhere should win and will win. Okay. Jacqueline? I'm torn between everything, everywhere, but I don't think it will win. I think the Fablemans could be a sentimental favourite there. Mm. And Gregory King? Oh, look, the Banshees of Inisherin should win. Um, everything Everywhere, as I said, has some momentum at the moment. And Hollywood loves films about Hollywood filmmaking, so that would give the Fablemans a bit of an inside chance there as well. Exactly. And we haven't, se- we haven't seen women talking yet, so I can't really judge that one. No, no, but, but, mm. but what do you think will win, Greg? Oh, look, I'll, put, I'll go for the Banshees of Inisherin. Good on you. All right. And I, as I say, I'm going for that as well. Now, we we have this discussion every year why 10 films or up to 10 films as terms of best picture but only five for all the other categories and how can you make a film without a director only five of them martin mcdonough for banshees daniel kwan and daniel shinett for everything everywhere all at once steven spielberg spielberg for the fablemans todd field for tar and ruben ostland for triangle of sadness uh, let's start with you, Greg. Best director. Where's it, where's well, it going to fall? I'm one of those traditionalists that think the best film should go with best director. We could always ask Bruce Beresford for his opinion on that one, though. Um, but, look, Steven Spielberg is also a bit of a sentimental favourite and Hollywood do, does love him. So I'd go for Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin and Steven Spielberg as the outsider. Good on you. And we'll go to Jackie next. Oh, for directing, I would go with Everything Everywhere. Oh, would you? Okay. Uh, Peter? It's an interesting one because, of course, the whole uh, Academy votes for best film, and and that's why you now have 10 uh, nominees because of the the large numbers and proportions and all that sort of thing. But for best director, I have a feeling Spielberg will win that for The Fablement, uh, but that the Daniels will not win it for Everything Everywhere. Mm, Okay. And Dave? Yeah, I'm on the same as Peter. I actually think that Steven Spielberg will walk away with it, but I I would have given it to um, Banshees. But yeah, I think Spielberg will take it away. Yeah, I'm I'm going Martin McDonough as well for Banshees. Best lead actor: Austin Butler, Elvis; Colin Farrell, The Banshees; Brendan Fraser, The Whale; Paul Mescal for After Sun; and Bill Nye for Living. So yeah, um, I'll go first on this one. I want Brendan Fraser to win for The Whale. I, I just thought it was a phenomenal performance, as great as Colin Farrell was in The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Uh, what about you, Dave? Um, I'm so torn with this. I'm so torn between Farrell and Fraser. 
Um, I think uh, I think the whale will win it, but um, yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if Colin Farrell's not a dark horse there as well. Greg King. Well, I've only seen two of those films, so it's a bit hard to do that. Of, of, of the ones I've seen, Colin Farrell, for me, um, but, but from what I've heard of Brendan Fraser, it wouldn't surprise me if he walks away with this one. And Hollywood loves a comeback. Oh, absolutely. No question. Peter. There are two interesting nominations, Paul Mescal for After Sun, which is uh, quite a superb uh, low-budget uh, UK film, and Bill Nye, um, who uh, has a lot of sentimental voting behind him for living. But I, I would like Brendan Fraser to win it, uh, and if he doesn't, then it probably will be Colin Farrell. Mm -hmm. Jacqueline. Well, it's a bit unfair because I have only seen The Banshees of Inna Sharon and Elvis. Um, although the others are, you know, just a matter of a couple of weeks away, so it's a bit hard to choose. Um, I can't obviously comment on those. But because The Banshees wasn't among my favourite films of the year, I'm definitely going for Elvis, for Austin Butler in Elvis. And he did it. I mean, that was a magnificent performance. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed about saying that I reckon he should be up there. Now, there's only one actress that needs to win our best lead actress, and, and it's Kate Blanchett. I mean, by, like, what she doesn't do in that movie, I don't think you can do on screen. She is just magnificent in Tar. So I'm going for her. We haven't seen Anna de Armas in Blonde. Uh, Andrea Riseborough in Two Leslie, we haven't seen either. Michelle Williams was terrific in The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh was outstanding in Everything Everywhere All at Once. So do, is there anybody who does not believe that Kate Blanchett will win? Any of the five of us, other than... No, okay. Anybody? No? No, but yeah, she should get it. I think she should win, but I don't think she will. Really? You, th you think Michelle Yeoh will win? I reckon Michelle Yeoh's got the, um, the whole push of Hollywood behind her at the moment. Uh, I really think that it should be between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Williams because I thought Williams was fantastic in Fablemans. But, uh, yeah, I've got a, a sneaking feeling that Yeoh will win. Now, Peter, do you agree with me as you always do? <clears throat> <laughs> well, I don't agree with that. But, <laughs> no, I, I think Michelle Yeoh is likely to win um, for diversity reasons. For, she was also excellent in the film. Um, and Kate Blanchett, there might be a little bit of a backlash against her for her recent comments about saying awards presentations and women competing shouldn't be the case. It's uh, I found her comments very strange. So I think a combination of those will probably mean Michelle Yeoh. And I should mention, uh, I, the only film we, I haven't seen is To Leslie, which at this stage has no Australian distributor. And Andrea Riseborough, uh, Kate Blanchett and so many other actors pushed for her nomination it seems that she has put in a great performance. So she's a really dark horse. Yeah, I, I read something only yesterday that there's some pushback about uh, all the white actors uh, and whatever again. I, I'm just, it, it's, I mean, every year we're reading stuff. It, it just, it's quite uh, troubling that even though endeavours are being made, clearly they're not necessarily enough for everybody. By the way, when you say what Kate Blanchett said, perhaps for those people who haven't read the remarks, you could uh, reference them a little bit further, Peter, and explain what she said. 
Well, she said that uh, competitions, uh, especially with women competing, is meaningless, that uh, it, it doesn't further the cause, it doesn't do anything for uh, people's understanding of films, of women, of, of uh, a whole range of things, which is a very interesting comment because she has been part of competitions and has received awards in the past, of course. This is her third uh, potential Oscar. Um, so I don't know. I, I think... Maybe she just came out of left field with that comment because she felt that there's too much competition and marketing and, and publicity for awards when, in fact, it's the performance that's more important and the film itself. Uh, it's an interesting one. Well, Peter, uh, you, you, probably, Peter you probably recall when um, George C. Scott even refused his Oscar nominations, calling it a meat market, but he still went on the win. True. Well, hang on. You, Greg, you, you and uh, Peter are both teachers. And not not long ago, it, it was said, oh, well, we, we shouldn't have competition among kids to get into university. We shouldn't have uh, exams that, uh, you know, some people are going to be mentally scarred because they, they don't handle exams well and, you know, competition overall is not good. I mean, since time immemorial there's competition, the, the alpha males and all that sort of stuff, is competition necessarily bad? I, I mean, I, I just think it's the way the world works, isn't it? Does anybody disagree with that? Should we have an? You know, we we want a an an equitable society. I get all of that, but you, you I think I think you've gone off on a tangent there, Alex. We're what talking about I always um, on, I always an award. Tangents. I always I make a habit of going it's off on tangents. So annoying. I know, and that's why I do it because it annoys you. Anybody who listens to this program knows that. Have I succeeded again, Jacqueline? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, I'll give you an award for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. So uh, you haven't asked me my opinion yet, Alex. On I know. I was distracted because uh, she went off on a tangent. By Jacqueline. Oh. Uh, what, what, what's, your, <laughs> what, what's your thought, Greg? Well, I think uh, Kate Blanchett probably could deserve to win because it's a great performance there. Um, Anna Armas, by chance, has been nominated for Razzie for the same film, so that sort of shoots her out of competition there. And if um, Gil McLaughlin, I'm going to bring a sporting analogy here for you, Alex. If Gil McLaughlin was doing the announcing of the winner there, can you imagine the suspense when he goes, and the winner, Oscar, goes to Michelle, dramatic pause, <laughs> and then he announces it. Very. Um, <laughs> J uh, J Jacqueline, do you know who Gil McLaughlin is? Some Someone to do with sport, obviously. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Now, okay, so we are now moving on to... Uh, for those people who don't follow AFL football and the mighty fighting Essendon football machine, the only oh, club to follow, he is currently the head of the AFL, the CEO. Best Supporting Actor, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees, Brian Tarree Henry for Causeway. I haven't seen Causeway. Uh, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keown for The Banshees again, and K. Hugh Juan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now... Okay, this, uh, look, both Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keane were phenomenal in Banshees. It's always difficult when you're competing against one of your own. Now, I'm not sure whether they should rule that out. Probably not, because if they're both worthy, they should be uh, characterised as such. Has a Best Supporting Actor Award or even a Best Actor Award or Actress or Best Supporting Actress ever been shared in the Oscars? Any Any thoughts about that, Peter? Yes, it has. Uh, wasn't there a case where, was it Barbara Streisand and Catherine Hepburn won yeah. Best Actress Oscar? No. Oh. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, I suppose the way to avoid that is to have an, a, a, an, an uneven number of uh, nominate, nominees, uh, nominate, uh, sorry, the people doing the, the, the voting, and therefore you could never have that. So, I mean, we, do, do we want co-captains in football clubs? We're back to football, Dave. Do we want co-captains or not? Uh, no. Um, I think it I should agree. be a, it should be a slap fest, like with Will Smith uh, sorted out. But no, um, <laughs> I really, I really think that Brendan Gleeson will should and will win for that. Yep. I, I think it's it's fantastic as well, and I, I it's such a dry performance. I, yeah. Look, I, but but I mean Barry Barry Keane's performance was a lot more showy, wasn't it, Dave? Possibly, but I just think that um, Gleeson is. Well and truly loved by the Hollywood fraternity, and I think, um, yeah, he deserves it. It was a, it was a brilliant performance. It was. No, I, look, I'm going for Br- uh, Brendan Gleeson as well. Jackie? Yeah, Brendan Gleeson from me too. Yep. Yep. Greg? Totally. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson from me too, because sometimes this acting, supporting acting role is a career reward for someone who's been around for a long time, and this is their just rewards there. But having said that, as you said earlier, Hollywood loves comeback stories. Hello, um, Brendan Fraser. And... Kihui Kwan, where's he been since um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, basically? A few years ago, that's for sure, absolutely. Uh, and uh, who have I left out, Jackie? Me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, dear, I was too busy okay. playing football. I'm so ecstatic that you're actually talking football, Peter. Right. Uh, yes, you... I know. I'm, I'm having my head examined in the morning. Okay. Are you now, going Brendan as well or no? Oh, hang on. Absolutely yeah. not. It's it's a lay down misere, especially given other nominations and awards for Kei Hua Kwan for Everything Everywhere. Ah, okay. And Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Hong Shou, who was terrific in The Whale. Kerry Condon, the Banshees of Inner Sharon. What a marvellous performance by her. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, a very different role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Stephanie oh. Hugh. In again, everything, everywhere, all at once. Once again, competition within that film. So this is a tough one. I thought Hong Shou was terrific in the whale, and I loved Kerry Condon. Oh, gee, this is a very difficult one. Um, I'm going for Hong Shou just over Kerry Condon. What about you, Jackie? Well, the only one I haven't seen on this list is the whale, so I can't comment on your um, right. on your choice there. But I thought. Jamie Lee Curtis is one of the main reasons to go and see and enjoy everything, everywhere, all at once. She knocks it out of the ballpark. She's hilarious. Her, can we, her, can we just watch her? performance is brilliant. Can we just watch her on YouTube? <laughs> just stick it together. Yes, certainly you can. Yep. Thank you. All right. Good stuff. Peter? I think uh, definitely based, again, on, on past uh, awards and nominations, um, similar to Kei Hua Kwan, I think Angela Bassett has got it in the bag. Yeah. Okay. Greg, I love. I'm with Jackie here. I love Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. For me, that was the her. her she was the highlight of the film. Okay, Dave. Um, if I was awarding it, I would give it to Hong Shao, but I think Angela Bassett will win. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you, are you suggesting here that there's sort of momentum over career, and that com- that comes into play at some stage, does it? Absolutely, oh, because there's. And politics yeah. as well. Yes. And there's a lot of crossover, don't forget, with BAFTA voters and Critics' Choice, Golden Globe. So there's some crossover anyway. Yeah. Okay. So we've got the Screenplay Awards, Best Adapted. 
which is all quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion and Ives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking. I'm sentimental. I don't know what you want to call it after 36 years, but I love Top Gun Maverick. I want it to win this award. What about you, Jackie? I'm just trying to. Uh, I can't. I can't remember the list. Okay. Well, right for it. Sorry. Oh, here, adapted screenplay. Yeah. Um, well, I hadn't seen them all. I hadn't seen Women Talking. I mean, Top Gun Maverick was fine, but it was just really a repeat. Uh, I don't know. On I many don't people, have a choice. On, on many this people's one. list of the top ten film in the top ten films of the year, Jackie. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, but, you know, you criticised me for that and then you didn't like everything everywhere all at once and that was had even more. Look, I'll actually go for All Quiet on the Western Front because I thought that was a really interesting take on that film, the the adaptation of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Greg King? I haven't seen Living All Women Talking yet. Um, Glass Onion was okay but not the best written film. I haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front, so I'm going to go with Top Gun Maverick, which was my top film last year. Was it? I didn't because I I was out the the night of your your radio program. Um, I, I didn't realize that was your best film. So what was number two and three for you? Oh God, now you're testing my memory well, here. Only last week. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> last week or the. I've got it here somewhere. Hang on a second. I'm okay. Thinking. Yeah. Talk I, liked, uh, I look. I, after about the first one, I stopped doing. But I liked Barbarian, um, Elvis, um, Compromat, and Bones and All as well. I, did, I don't know what Barbarian was, to be that's honest. That whole, that's that one that put you off Airbnb for life. Oh, I see. Right. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right. So, well, let's, let's go on to Dave. Best adapted screenplay, mate. Um, I think it should go to All Quiet on the Western Front, but I wouldn't be surprised if Maverick doesn't walk away with it. Mm-hmm. Good. And Peter? Uh, look, we haven't seen women talking, and there's been a lot of momentum for that film, Sarah Polly's film. We'll see what happens. But if it doesn't win, it'll probably go to All Quiet. Oh, okay, good. So that's that's split between Top Gun and All Quiet. Now, best original screenplay, Banshees. Surely Banshees is going to. Well, I mean, I don't know, but I, I would have thought that's that Martin McDonough makes certainly makes original films. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, there'd be a momentum there. The Fablemans. Tar, Wow, and Triangle of Sadness, a really strong list. That's probably the strongest category, I reckon. I, I, that's really dividing. I, I, I'll give it to Banshees just. What about you, Dave? Oh, look, I'm so torn because I loved Triangle of Sadness to the point where I went out and bought the script book of it, but um, I think Banshees will win. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dave, you've got, you're right on the money, I reckon. What about you, Peter? This is a very difficult category, and and, uh, don't forget there will always be surprises with the Oscars. I wouldn't be surprised if Tar won Best Original Screenplay. Well, it's it's, um, my my film of 2023. At this point, I can't see anything beating it, but, yeah, good one. Okay, Jackie. Well, I have you've said my thoughts exactly. I, I can barely pick between these for original screenplay i guess i'm going to go have to go split between fablemans and tar can we have a can we have joint winners there please for you yeah. <laughs> jackie anything you want whenever you want it you just say it and you've got it how's that okay well we'll have five winners then correct <laughs> <Five wins. laughs> <laughs> would you like five winners too I'm going to go for the Banshee's finisher and get, to give Martin McDonough another Oscar there. But often this best original screenplay is often given to a film that deserves to get the best 
film Oscar, but doesn't get it. I mean, think, yeah. Pulp, Fiction, think Pulp Fiction and a lot of other films, they have won Best Original Screenplay, um, and they probably just probably justly should have won Best Film as well. So uh, if, if everyone doesn't win Best Film, they'll probably win Best Screenplay out of them. Okay. Well, that, that's an interesting choice because it could still – a lot of these were nominated in that category too. So apart from Banshees then, where, where would you go, Greg? Everything oh, everywhere, Fable, Tar or Triangle? Everything everywhere all at once is more a visual thing rather than the, the screenplay, I think. Um, Triangle Sadness, again, clever, clever film. Um, but Tar, again, nice – Character-driven piece. Um, so if it wasn't a Banshee's Vintage, I'd go for the Fablemans. Um, everyone loves Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it took him a long time to win an Oscar himself too, didn't it? A, a very long time. It was overdue. What, what was what was the uh, his breakthrough? What, what won him the Oscar? Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. There we go. All right. So best cinematography. Wow, that's a that's an interesting one as well. All Quiet on the Western Front. Bardo. False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. I have no idea what that is. El, what, what is that, Peter? You're, it's, you're... it's a documentary by Alejandro Inarito, and it uh, was briefly in cinemas and is now on, uh, It's I think it's on Foxtel. It's it's uh, a Mexican uh, look at history, and uh, it's, it's a most incredible film. Oh, okay. Terrific. Uh, Elvis, Empire of Light, Roger Deakins, and Tar, Florian Hofmeister. Well... Uh, I, there's there's a couple there that I haven't seen. So where where are you going, Peter? You have you seen all of them or not? The only one I haven't seen is Empire, Empire. of Light. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think uh, All Quiet on the Western Front again has a lot of momentum because it is so beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm not sure about you, Greg. Where are you going with all of this? I presume there's a few you haven't seen as well. I've only seen Elvis and Tar. So right. Yeah. I'm so limited there. Um, so look, I like the way Elvis was shot in frenetic style. Tower is a much more um, conventional style with lots of long takes and everything, but I, I haven't seen it all quite in the Western Front. No, but no. I have to go along with um, Peter's recommendation that it was beautifully shot. I'll, I'll try and catch up with it on Netflix over the next week or so so I can um, make up my own mind. No, it sounds good. Well, I mean, I presume that's that's the same standing for all of us, so not sure whether we want to dip in. Uh, Dave, did, have you seen many or not in this category? No, not really, but I think it's a travesty that um, the cinematographer from Top Gun Maverick didn't get a nomination considering that the poor yes. guy was yes. having to go up in jets and stuff like that to get his shot, so, yeah. Mm. Okay, well, look, uh, any, any uh, Jackie, I presume you're the same, so you won't buy into this Well, I've seen, th- I've seen three of the five, and I would be torn between All Quiet on the Western Front and Elvis for cinematography. Very different styles, very different kinds of films, but both... So um, uh, so phenomenal in the way that they were shot, yep. Now, look, I'll just um, do a couple more. Best International Feature Film. Again, I, we ha- I haven't seen, I've seen, I think, three of them, All Quiet on the Western Front, Germany, Argentina 1985, obviously Argentina, Close, which uh, is uh, we're seeing this week, Belgium, uh, EO, Poland, and The Quiet Girl, which was a lovely film, which was in my top ten. Uh, that that's the Irish film. Uh, again, Dave, have you seen many or not? I have. I've seen a few of them, but um, I, I hope The Quiet Girl wins. That was in my top ten. As but well. I wouldn't be surprised if All Quiet on the Western Front doesn't win that one as well. So, Yes, I, that that was uh, my, my, my thoughts entirely. Peter, would you go All Quiet? 
Uh, I, I, we have to be careful here. You're talking, you're not going all quiet. Right, sorry. <laughs> Certainly, I'm all noisy on the Western Front. Yeah. But uh, I have a feeling all quiet is, is a strong contender and we haven't seen EO yet, unfortunately, the film from Poland, which I've heard so many good things about. But Argentina 1985 has been winning a lot of awards and I think because of that political nature of that yes. film, I have a feeling it might win. Mm-hmm. Greg, you're also in a situation where you've only seen a couple of them? I've only seen The Quiet Girl, so I, I yeah. really can't comment on this one. And I presume the same with you, Jackie? Well, I didn't. Uh, the Quiet Girl wasn't on my top at all, So, I'll, and I haven't seen from Argentina, Belgium or Poland, so I'll go with All Quiet, but that's only for um, lack of choice. Did you not like The Quiet Girl, Jackie? Uh, it, I, I didn't love it. Okay. I liked it, didn't love it. Yep. Mm, okay. And best original song now, you've got applause from Tell It Like a Woman. What's Tell It Like a Woman? I can't. It's, Ever... it's, for, it's a, a film that none of us know anything about. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, then Hold My Hand, Peter. I'm oh, sorry. No. Um, <laughs> well, you can if you wish. Um, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> that's, that's Hold My Hand from that particular film. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, we're not going to get saucy on this program. Lift Me Up. From Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Natu Natu from Triple R. Now, did Triple R Triple R make it into the cinemas, or did it not? Uh, I, uh, it, it, I think it was part of the Indian Film Festival, and it's now on Netflix. Well, I think it had a week at um, Melbourne Central or something. And, um, oh, I did it, Greg. Yeah, a yeah. number of people yeah, yeah. because Greg has a cavalcade of champions over about six months talking about the best film of the year and a number of them mentioned triple r um then this is a life from everything everywhere all at once so they're the they're the best category songs uh was there any was there any really outstanding song this year i mean i'm probably controversial i don't think so yeah I, i didn't really notice anything in particular i thought there was some some of the scores in the movies were wonderful but yeah okay maybe i'm especially tough yeah, yeah, maybe I'm selling it short. I don't know. What, what do you think, Greg? Oh, I, I have trouble remembering any of those songs from those movies. Um, yeah. yeah. Basically, and I love, I, you know, I love your mu- music, but um, often a, a standout song will sit in my brain, but um, I can't remember. Yes, much. fair enough. And, and, and what about you, Dave? You're you're a music pe- person as well. Anything stand out? To you? I'm, the, I'm the same. I. When I heard the nominations, I didn't even remember those two songs from um, Wakanda Forever or um, Maverick, and I loved both of those films. So, yeah, I'm probably not the right person to ask just because no. I don't remember any of those songs from the films. While we're talking about this, um, I'm just wondering why the um, song from Where the Cruel Dad Sing didn't get nominated because I still remember that one. Okay. Yeah, and, me too. And, and, so I'm and, just wondering why that didn't get nominated. Yeah. Because the film wasn't worth mentioning, Greg, that's why. Boo hiss, it doesn't matter whether the film's worth mentioning, it's the song that stands oh. out. Oh. Very yeah. nice. Controversy. I love it. Uh and, and Peter, I, I think that actually raises that actually raises a really good question. Can you have a great song in a bad film? Yes. Of course, of course you can. What yeah. Well no, not really, but Dave, because you've fallen asleep by then. No, I mean look <laughs> it it often you get films that may be in the Razzies, but there's an outstanding performance or whatever. I mean, that's it's no different, surely. Peter, do, do, do you do you sing? Should you sing? 
No, uh, no, and I won't start because I'll I'll be off air. But <laughs> look, where the Crawdad Sing did, I think, get a Golden Globe nomination in uh, in the song category, uh, but that film has not achieved a, a lot of uh, uh, interest amongst uh, voters. Look, um, tell it like a woman. We haven't seen that film uh, and that song, but Diane Warren has uh, a lot of respect in the industry and she's been nominated many times for her songs and never won. So she, I think, is a sentimental favourite, but I think that Triple R, the Indian film, uh, will be recognised. Okay, okay. Well, th- there we go. The um, we-, we should mention Catherine Martin. <laughs> she just keeps on getting nominated and she keeps on winning and She's she's nominated for best costume design. Is there production design? I haven't seen. Is there production design category? Yes, there is. And yes, I, yes, there is. I'm looking at it now. No, I can't see and her. She's got that. She's not. Yes, she oh, is. Yeah, she, yeah, she has in Elvis as well. So she's both best production design and best costume design for Elvis. And what she's won? Has she won two? Is that how many she's won so far? I think so, but I might be mistaken. Yeah. I, I haven't looked it up, but, I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, and there's- Alex, the costume design category is quite interesting, though, because I think Catherine Martin is interesting for Elvis. Obviously, that was fabulous. Yeah. And Babylon was like a, a world apart from that. That was crazy good as well. Yes. But then you've got Mrs Harris Goes to Paris, which is a story based on fashion of a particular era, and so that makes that interesting too. So I think it's a three-way there. That's that. That's yeah, very good point. And in fact, um, Jackie, you should briefly mention because you went and saw the um, the latest exhibition at the um, what what is it? What's the venue? Oh, the, Alexander McQueen at Alexander the McQueen, yeah, Which I actually the and, reason I, I mentioned that is because I, I again saw an ad for it only a couple of days ago on TV, and I knew you'd seen it and you raved about it. Really worth seeing, huh? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I wasn't quite sure that high fashion or weird fashion or creative fashion is really my thing. But um, knowing a bit of the story of Alexander McQueen, having thoroughly um, enjoyed some of the, I think there were two documentaries we've seen about him in recent years and his life. Um, You know, you have to, I've decided I have to trust whatever the NGV curates and puts on for us is you, you just go to it because the way it was presented was just astonishingly interesting. Can you explain that? So for, the, for those people who don't know what we're talking about, National Gallery of Victoria, it's obviously next to the, the art centre and, you know, it's got the, what do you call it, the water wall, et cetera, that's where it is. So w- w- what about the presentation? Tell me about it. The way that brought the exhibition of Alexander McQueen's fashion to life is to delve into the man and his creative mind and work out the influences that um, formed each each of the many styles that he put out. So for each kind of um, uh, section of fashion, like in in a particular era, uh, he may have had extremely diverse influences 
such as, and I'd just be plucking this out of thin air, um, you know, um, the the making scones in his grandmother's kitchen with uh, Persia in the 1800s with, um, you know, the experience of being on a train ride. And now they're silly examples, but actually not so silly compared with uh, when you when you see three things that seem so disparate brought together and the influences that come into a particular fashion piece is astonishing. Mm. And there are examples, uh, genuine examples of those three things that are displayed along with the fashion so that you can actually see something from Persia in the 1800s, or let's go further back than that, you know, the 1400s. Um, they actually have a headscarf from that era, uh, from that time, that you can see uh, a reflection of that patterning or whatever or the cloth or something in the design in his creative fashion. Uh, it's, it's, I, I just totally say go along whether fashion yeah. is your thing. Oh, no, that's great. That's terrific. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting because there used to be, I suppose, some fashion rules, and, I mean, generations change, of course, but, you know, the simplest of rules like blue and green should never be seen, which is a silly example but one that immediately comes to mind. But I'm just wondering, honestly wondering, whether there is anything that you can do in fashion that's beyond the pale. I, I'm, I'm fast beginning to of believe Of course there is. Is there? I'm fast beginning to believe there isn't. I you know, like this week there was controversy. Well, it, oh, yeah, it's it, it's up to it's very subjective and personal though, Alex, about where your you know where your line is, where your limits are. Well, and I mean, for a lot of people, Alexander McQueen just broke all the rules. I mean, sure. you know, or ninety percent naked, uh, um, you know, models down the catwalk and things like that. Sure. But 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 that's what I'm getting at, Jackie. That a number of the designers and a number of the I don't know, the influences and whatever, they do things to deliberately break what would be in previous generations have been called taboo. So that's why I'm saying, are there any rules anymore? And I, I'm questioning, I mean, this week, or I think it was this week and last week, there was controversy over something that uh, Kate Hudson, I, if I'm, I hope I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to diss somebody, uh, she, she, she designed some leggings that uh, that basically had the bum cheeks out of them, and 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 the question was, well, who would ever wear those as you know to um to to, to com uh, complete their exercise or even to walk down the street? Uh, you know, it's so the question here is, uh, is any d anything can go, can't it? And and I mean, if you're good enough, and if you make it into the world of fashion, then suddenly it becomes the in thing for a period of time, and then it disappears for a while. And then, but yeah. Alex, Alex, breaking the rules in fashion, creative fashion is not about some what somebody would wear at the gym or to walk down the street. Creative fashion is about breaking the rules, breaking the barriers. Right. So I'm combining the two, and, and I'm saying some of them are practical, some of them are not. Some of them are just there to catch the attention of the eye. They're not meant to be practical. Practical is the furthest word from what Alexander McQueen okay. was creating. Fair, fair enough. Now I, I, I want to get back uh, to uh, the... Alex. Before you move on, I just have to something. Catherine Martin's won four Oscars. Four Oscars. Thank you. So, Greg, in terms of the four Oscars, were they for two films or were they? Yeah, yeah she won Best Achievement in Costume Design and Production Design for The Great Gatsby and from Moulin Rouge. That, and that's, sorry, that's my, that was my confusion. That was why I was asking about whether she's again nominated in both categories. So she's won for two Os uh, two um, particular movies, but she's won two Oscars for each, making the four. Got it. Thank you very much for clearing that up. Best. Thank I, She's I, got, been nominated three times for Elvis, both for costume design and production design, but also as one of the producers of um, Elvis. 
Oh, good. Uh, by the way, I, I haven't asked this question, and you may have the answer, in terms of other Australian nominees, because I, you know, we, we've obviously talked about Elvis and so on, but uh, any, and and, and uh, Catherine Martin, and we've also talked about uh, Kate's nominations, any other Aussies that uh, we should be mentioning at this point? Anybody know of any others? There is an Australian who's been nominated for Best uh, short animation um, who lives in Queensland. Uh, oh, for a, Hang on. He lives in Melbourne. I'm short and I'm animated. Does that count? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll ask Gil McLaughlin. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Peter, a second football. Oh, Dave, are we converting these these heathens, are we? Fantastic. Well, well, let's let's face it. Gillian McLaughlin is Darth Vader, so there's a good film. Oh. There. Now, hang on, <laughs> we don't want we don't want this program to be sued. Uh, this is purely the view of um, one of us, not all of us, Gil. Um, no, okay. So, best animated feature. Now, this is the the movie that I terribly got confused or got terribly confused. The Guillermo del Toro version of Pinocchio. I'd seen the other version, which I didn't, which I thought was okay. But now uh, this is this is one I haven't seen. I loved Marcel the Shell with shoes on. In fact, I encourage you to go and see it, Jackie. Uh, Puss in Boots. The I've last seen it. I know. Loved that. it. Yeah, wasn't it wonderful? Just wonderful. Yeah, but nine out of ten, Alex. Good. On, see, you know, you got to trust my judgments on these things, Jackie. You know, it's fantastic. Uh, are you saying I'm right? We yeah. agree. We agree. Okay, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast. I don't know what The Sea Beast is. And Turning Red. Uh, so they're the animated feature film. Uh, Peter, I presume you're going to say that Pinocchio will win. Is that right? Oh, definitely will win. The uh, The stop motion animation is so seamlessly done and so beautifully done that it will win. Mm, and I haven't seen it because I I, I, I would have loved Marcel Lachelle with shoes on having not seen it to have won. Um, any, anything uh, different from you, Dave, on this? No, I think Del Toro should be making a space on his mantelpiece right now. Ah, very good. Uh, have you seen Pinocchio, Greg? No, I haven't. And and Jackie? I'm noticing the with yes, that. Yes, I have. Either. Ah, okay. Uh, so, Jackie, you've seen the Guillermo Del Toro? Yes. Oh, okay. I, so, I have. And you've, you've seen both. So, um, well, again, I've seen the, the Pinocchio, the Marcel with the shell with shoes on, and Puss in Boots. And, for, I, I mean, I just wasn't drawn to the Pinocchio the way I, I, you know. So I'm actually going between Marcel and Puss in Boots. And funnily enough, I almost would like Puss in Boots to win. Really? Why? Yeah. Um, I actually thought it was an excellent film. Oh, okay. And I liked Marcel too, so I'm not quite sure why I, I think, but I, but I, I, I just, I'm just leaning that way. Fair enough. All right. Well, look, I think we'll leave for Jackie's just reminded me there were some great songs in Puss in Boots. I'm surprised n n none of them got nominated for best um, song as well. Mm, okay. Now I now, don't think it will win. Actually, it's. Just, I think Pinocchio will win, but I would kind of like Puss in Puss in Boots to have a bit of a go there. Yep. Mm, okay. So look, I'll leave it at that. Unless anybody's got any other commentary uh, on on the Oscar nominations, uh, do you think it was a fair? Uh, a, a decent sort of um, smattering of films. Was it diverse enough, uh, Peter, or not for you? It was. I think it was a pretty good spread uh, in terms of nominations and, and diversity of films and of the uh, both the box office hits uh, as well as the more art house type films. So, yes, I think it was a pretty good range. Pretty good range. Any, any other commentary, folks? Greg, Peter, um, sort of Dave, 
Jackie, anything further, or we'll leave it there? We've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Oscars, I've got to say. So, look, I think we missed one of the big items, though. What's, what's going that? to be the big controversy of this year? Uh, but, well, how do you follow a last year? Come on, Dave. You know, what, <laughs> can we get? I mean, look, maybe you can invite Gil to to uh, read out some of the the awards because obviously he's your favourite person. Can you get? Yeah, him? Oh, look, I just uh, who's going to slap who this year? I, no, no, we, you can't repeat. Once something's been done, repeating it doesn't make it controversial. You've got to do something that hasn't been done before. I mean, people have stood on chairs. People have sort of uh, cried. People have sort of uh, done silly things. People have streaked across the stage. Yes. When was that? Read out the wrong uh, when, David Niven, when David Niven was hosting way back in the 70s and he said that, that's the one, that guy's just shown his shortcomings to the rest of the world. Oh, spot on. <laughs> That's a nice line. Sorry, Dave, I missed what you said. Uh, I read out the wrong winner. Yep. Oh, yes. Well, oh, yes. So what more can what more can possibly happen? Someone can die on stage. Please, we don't wish badly upon people. That's not that what this this spot is all about. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a controversy to top all, wouldn't it? Oh, gee, no. I mean, oh. Greg, well, I think I, a few of the comedians have died on stage. Uh, <laughs> Very good. I and musicians have died on stage, so, you know. Come on, well, let's, get, let's get an old actor shuffle out and get a heart attack when he gets announced. Oh, don't, That's don't. dreadful. Shocking. I'm not going to condone this. Sorry. Let's keep going. Uh, you, I think there'll you, be something political. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's yeah. almost every year, Peter. That's not, you know. Uh, with Ukraine and with, uh, there yeah. might even be a special uh, comment by Biden. Who knows? Ah, okay. Well, uh, we, one of the movies that, you know, I'm certainly hoping is going to do damn well, uh, and, and it may not in many categories, but nevertheless, Tar, which opened on Thursday, we, we really need to talk about that. It's M rated, it runs for 158 minutes, and. Uh, I, look, I, I just want Kate. Kate Blanchett can do no wrong. Extraordinary, multilingual, piano-playing performance. She plays Lydia Tarr, internationally acclaimed classical musical conductor and composer. She's also maestro at the Berlin Philharmonic. She's considered one of the finest exponents of her art in the world, and therefore she's widely sought after. She's brilliant. She's a perfectionist. She's self-centred. She's driven but also a very hard taskmaster, not only on herself, but on others. And she always struggles to sleep and switch off. So the movie starts with her interviewed by Adam Gopnik at the New Yorker Festival, where she's quizzed about her approach and inspiration. Her latest projects involve publication of a, an incisive book and also an upcoming performance of Mahler's Fifth Symphony. She's got a partner, by way of a sickly Berlin Philharmonic concertmaster, Sharon Goodnow, played by Nina Haas, and the pair has adopted a young daughter whose name is Petra. And with a busy schedule, Tar relies heavily upon her personal assistant, who's a rather sensitive person called Francesca Lentini, played by Nomi Merland, and she relies upon Francesca for support. So events unfold as Tar and the orchestra intensively prepare for the live recording of Mahler's Fifth, which I referenced a few moments ago. Some are and have been sidelined, some of the orchestra. Among them is a young woman named Krista Taylor, 
former member of the Fellowship Program for Aspiring Female Conductors that TAR founded. Others, such as new Russian orchestra cellist Olga Metkina, played by Sophie Kier, are given a leg up. And the cracks in TAR's makeup begin to mount. So, look, it's an astonishing, complex, sophisticated psychological drama from writer and director Todd Field, who did Little Children. I, I thought it was brilliantly written and executed. And for much of the way, it's a puzzle. We, we just have to try to figure out what's going on as we learn more about the way that TAR operates. And then more than halfway through, uh, the film picks up momentum as the intrigue builds and the, the shocks take over. And as I said at the start, I thought Blanchett was outstanding in the lead. The way she carries herself, keeps delivering, her character is all-consuming and dominant. And what stands out is her intensity in performance, particularly noteworthy when she's conducting. She, in my opinion, morphs into Lydia Tarr. What did you think, Jackie? Oh, totally. It is Kate Blanchett's film. Um, I, funnily enough, I went to see this a second time at a very, very late screening last night. Really? Because I wanted to, yes, yes, I went after dinner last night and um, it finished a, a little before midnight. Um, I just wanted to refresh and see if the, the first time I saw it, when was it, about three weeks ago we went? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it completely knocked me, knocked me for six and I wanted to see if I felt it the same way the second time. I didn't quite. Um, I think it was the creeping up of the of the, the drama and the, and the intrigue that really got me into the film and the way that Cam, Kate Blanchett inhabits that role. But in the end, I, I'm thinking of it much more as a critic's film rather than an audience enjoyment, entertainment kind of film. And the character of um, Lydia Tarr is absolutely fascinating as we get to know her and we're very pleased we don't know her perhaps in our own personal lives. Incredibly talented but, um, uh, you know, she's a bully and she's powerful and she's haunted and she's very, very complex and that's why she's fascinating to watch and the people around her who call her maestro to her face and when somebody, well, you know, when the world calls you maestro, um you know, you obviously believe that. And she certainly was. Um, yet it, being a character piece, it's still the whole film has an extraordinary ambience and um, it's a very rich and, and, as you say, complex film. But I wouldn't necessarily say a film for audience enjoyment. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I thought this was an absolute masterpiece of, of a film. It, it feels like a theatre production. Kate Blanchett's um, performance is is what you would expect from a theatre production in that she's in just about every scene. A lot of those scenes are very, very long and it's very, very dialogue-driven. So she puts in a, a brilliant performance. But, of course, I think you've also got to give credit there to um, Todd Field with his screenplay as well because yeah. without that screenplay, she wouldn't be delivering those scenes. And they're intense. Um, it, it's a weird film. Like Jackie said, it's one of those films where I can't imagine people would go, I'm looking for a good night out, I might go see Tar. But it is one of those films where if you're a cinema lover, you are going to enjoy this film and cherish every single moment of it. Peter? Uh, look, it is a superb film, and Todd Field had been planning this film and writing it for quite a long time, and he only wanted to have Kate Blanchett in, in the title role uh, of the fictional 
uh, female conductor, Lydia Tarr. Some people seem to think it's based on a real person. Well, it's an amalgam of yeah. a number of uh, different uh, people, but it's a, it's a fictional character. And so uh, he waited until Kate was available and then was able to make the film. Look, uh, I, I think it's a superb film. It's, it's beautifully written. Uh, the performances are superb. Um, that Kate had to learn German, relearn the piano, um, uh, really had to learn what the whole art of orchestra conducting is all about uh, and so on. Absolutely superb. But it's interesting to note this film has had a backlash um, and the backlash is yeah. that here we have at last a film about a female conductor uh, and it's and she's presented in a negative light as being a bully, as you said, and uh, uh, and having those uh, sort of psychological concerns. So to counteract that, it's interesting to note Kate Blanchett exists executive produced a documentary that's about to be released called Knowing the Score about uh, Simone Young. Yes. Um, and uh, she definitely wanted to do that to show the positive side of women being conductors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's very difficult because, I mean, if you if you do something that's, that's in any way out of the ordinary or you have a negative perception, it, that shouldn't mean that you can't view that and you know not every film has to have a hollywood happy ending as either so anyway let, let, what about you greg what's your thought well this is only todd field's third film in 20 odd years um mm. and i mean the first two in the bedroom and little children were magnificent films as well so he's going good there this is a character study and as peter said um it's hard to believe that lydia tar is not a real person she's so well developed and rounded here and brought to life there by Kate Blanchett. You almost think she's a real person. Um, but her performance is sensational there. Apparently that scene set in Juilliard School where she belittles a, a student there was shot in one take. And when you think of other one-take performances that won Oscars, like Michael Douglas's Greed is Good and, and Gregory Peck's delivery of the courtroom sequence in um, To Kill a Mockingbird, you can see how good her performance is there. And as you said to Alice, the momentum changes as the film goes on. Early scenes are done in long takes, long shots, um, steady camera, and then the pace picks up. The scenes become a lot shorter and a lot quicker and much more quickly edited as um, she heads towards her um, the deep decline yeah, of her career there. Conscious, conscious effort by by the writer and director. No no doubt about that at all. I, I hate to cut everybody short, but we are virtually out of time. Greg, score out of 10? 8 out of 10. Jackie? Eight and a half out of ten. Peter. Nine out of ten. Dave. Eight out of ten. Alex, nine out of ten. Phenomenal film. Go along and see it. Look, there's what's love got to do with it? We've got to talk about that. We'll do that next week. There's another movie I sent you to see, Jackie, which you'll have to wait and talk about next week as well or the week after. Folks, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll do it all again next week and enjoy a week. All the very best. 